0: Hi, everyone. Brian here. Just a quick note at the beginning of this podcast. I'm terribly sorry for the delay. The next one will come out on time. I promise. In the meantime, uh, please enjoy this episode. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I suggest that you do as I'm going to spoil everything. All right. Now on to the show. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Well, why do I do it? I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you've made a horror movie on your phone, or you make your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. This week, we are taking a look at the 1999 film that shows it's okay to learn to love, even if you have a small head. This is Blood Dolls. Ah Full Moon Studios how much I love thee. It seems like Charles Band is fastly becoming a favorite for this podcast. Well, he is the master of cheap horror movies. Full Moon was Charles Band's second company after Empire Pictures went defunct. The goal was to create a cheap horror, sci-fi and fantasy movies that had a big budget feel, but in the US unlike the previous company which made most of its films in Italy. Uh, That company put out such films as Puppet Master, uh, which is a fine candidate for this podcast as well, but we're not really here to talk about that film. Uh, We're here to talk about its bastard cousin, (laughs) Blood Dolls. Now, this film is kind of an offshoot of the Demonic Toys series, which truly is more in the realm of the Puppet Master movies. Uh, Unfortunately, as far as I know, this is the only film with the Blood Doll title. Though, sometimes the characters will pop up in other films. And when I mean characters, I really mean the dolls. So, only at 84 minutes, the film is a quick watch, which is a good thing. So, this film starts on a black screen, with just the intro music playing until the title logo pops up. It then starts spanning over a desk like it could belong to some sort of adventure like an Indiana Jones or like an eccentric billionaire like Scrooge McDuck. I wonder if we get to see a giant tower of money that someone swims in. Uh, Well, as it gets to the end of the title sequence, we see this weird gray mask that looks like it's a reject He-Man character that was only made for Halloween. A hand pulls back the mask and reveals a newspaper article talking about Virgil Travis and his big tech loss. It then cuts outside to two people getting out of a car. Uh, this is Virgil Travis's place, if you haven't already guessed. And the, there's a tall Asian lady, uh, and she gives her associate some advice.
1: If there happens to be a dwarf or a clown in there, don't be alarmed. Dwarf or a clown? Okay. And don't be surprised if there are some girls playing music in a cage. They're his private rock band. They're pretty talented, actually. So why are they in a cage? Oh, and don't be surprised at the mask. The mask? Yes, Mr. Travis always wears a mask.
0: Why?
1: Well, if you feel inclined, you can ask him.
0: Wait, he has a clown? And a rock band? And a mask? Is he willing to wear the mask? Ah, oh, this might be the perfect life for me. I mean, I can have my own private rock band play all the time. I wonder what that would be. a oh, I- Okay, sorry, sorry, gotta get back to this. So, after their conversation, they're greeted by a Holy fuck, clown! That dude is dressed from head to toe in this very nice business suit, but he's all painted up like a clown with jagged teeth. At least they look jagged from the, you know, shots that they give you. He supposedly is the human version of the demonic toy Jack Attack, who this film, in this film, has the name of Mascaro, or Mascaro. I can never quite get it right. He leads them into the house where we meet the midget Harrison. And the band who is locked up in a cage. This Asian lady addresses the band whose names are Cotton Baby, Razor Baby, Black Baby, guess what she is, and Shirley. I guess that's the joke. Well, after these introductions, we get to meet Virgil Travis for the first time. And he is our eccentric billionaire. Oh, There's the mask that was picked up earlier. He's wearing it. It's not weird at all. Well, mid-conversation, Virgil wishes to have the band play some music. Now, one would think that you just kind of ask them to play. I mean, they are your personal band after all, right? And then that would be that. Play a couple songs or play some music while you have your nice thing. And maybe they play, like, you know, nice smooth jazz or something like that. Well, you see... What he has them to start up is a little different than what you'd expect. He has Harrison, his personal little guy, shock the ever-loving shit out of them to play music.
2: Number three! Play! Play!
0: Well, as you can hear by that short little clip, the music is pretty shitty. I opted not to record full versions of the song and put them on here, uh, mainly because they overlap dialogue in the movie. So you'd be listening to more of the movie than more of the song. Uh, So, it's... I mean, I best describe the music that's used in this movie as kind of like a mix of industrial with horrible lyrics and lazy singing. I guess if you have to wear a mask all the time, shitty music might sound good to you. Who knows? Especially if they were all female musicians and lived in a cage in your house that you could just shock them to play music for you. I assume they sound that lazy because of the shocking. After getting the music going, though, he shows the pair his new purchase. Some dolls.
1: My, how racist. (laughs)
3: It's surprising how even rudeness can be pleasant coming from an attractive
0: woman. Dude, she's just telling you the truth. No need to get upset because she's calling you out. And who the hell admits to being racist? Well, I guess an eccentric billionaire does. So the conversation goes from friendly to threatening in like two seconds. Oh hey, look at my dolls that I just got the way, Why did you fuck up my case? Travis flips the switch and wires come out of the chairs and the two that are sitting in it, they kinda get trapped. It get wraps around the legs and wraps around their arms. He tells them that uh the three people that are responsible for losing the case against them are George Warbeck, Mercy Shar, and Harrison Ulin, who we'll talk more about later. Now I know this guy's upset about losing his money, but what really gets me is the way that he talks. Everything sounds like a southern gentleman that's mixed with some sort of neckbeard. He's very eloquent in how he talks, but it seems that the words he used are way too over-description. Here, listen to what I mean.
3: Through their devious and underhanded machinations, they have orchestrated this financial catastrophe, this veritable holocaust of corporate destruction, bringing me to the verge of financial ruin.
0: Now, he's just talking about losing his case on a big sum of money, but he's just really overdramatic about it. He tells the two that one of them is going to be helping him, while the other one is just going to die. Uh, he flips a switch, and bam! A drill pops out and begins to drill into the dude. Now, at first glance, it looks like he's going to drill the dick uh, to death of the guy. Uh, but instead, he just kind of gets him in the chest. And it, honestly, it kind of looks like a drill doe. If you've never seen a drill doe, please don't look it up. So... Uh, the scene goes on longer than it should. Uh, the gore is pretty tame, to be honest. I mean, it's drilling him in the chest, and it just kind of flops around like a drill dough. So while drilling into the guy, Travis asks that the volume of the band be raised to, uh, which means that the girls in the cage get shocked some more. Why does that work? I mean, there's no amps. Must be plugged directly into his sound system, but somehow the music gets louder. Wouldn't that blow up the gear too? I mean, uh, I guess I'll have to let it go for this moment in time. The other issue is that the Asian lady doesn't start screaming until after the music gets louder. I mean, she singer her associate get drilled to death and doesn't start screaming until about 30 seconds of him being drilled. What an uncaring bitch. Well, once the dude is finally dead... Travis decides that it's time to show her the face beneath the mask. Oh man, what are we getting? Is it going to be something good? Maybe it'll be like a burn scar that runs down his cheek, or like a... A shrunken head? What the fuck is this bullshit? He's just got a tiny head under there. He looks like... You you know David Byrne from The Talking Heads would wear that big suit and dance on stage with? It's just a shitty green screw effect and a bad puppet when it's him from the bank. Feel totally ripped off. I should call Full Moon and demand my money back. Oh, this will show them. Okay, just one more. Oh, that's a longer one. Fucking old phones. Okay, it's ringing. Hello, is this Full Moon? Yes, I'll hold. They're so going to get a piece of my mind. Oh, oh hi. Uh, yeah, I'm calling to talk about the reveal of the person behind the mask and blood dolls. Yes. I didn't think it was going to be a dude with a small head. No, I didn't think it was any good. I mean, I get to that you're trying to in- intimidate uh, David Byrne. Uh, yes, but no. Stop. Stop. Listen to me for a sec. Oh, you don't give refunds? This is what happens when you try to make a film with a small budget. I get what I pay for, but I didn't Hello? Hello? Hello Ugh. Fuckers. They hung up on me. Well, back to the film. So before this scene finally ends, Travis tells the Asian girl a little more about himself.
2: Close your mouth, Cindy, dear. it's rude. I've never spoken to you about my mother, Eugenia, have I? She's a remarkable woman. Altogether, ahead of her time in so many different ways. Including genetic engineering. You see, she made me. I'm perhaps her most perfect creation. Although not, as you can see, altogether perfect.
0: So it then cuts in this weird fade back outside of the house. And then... It somehow goes back into his lab. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird tradition, to, a transition, I should say, to go outside and then back in. So the Asian girl is now trapped in some sort of chamber awaiting her fate. And yes, I know her name is Cindy, but really she only gets called Cindy, I believe, in that one scene that I just played for you. So supposedly she's going to be helping him out, but I'm not sure what exactly is going to happen.
2: I take it you're familiar with the Iron Maiden? This is crazy! This is crazy! Well, this is rather different, though it does share some qualities in common. But it's designed not to transfix victims so much as to compress them. I can only judge from the reactions of the previous occupants that it is a rather painful process.
0: So wait, he turned those other people into those racist dolls? Uh, If I get this right, he turned a black man into the age pimp, whose name happens to be Pimp, and then some meathead white dude or maybe like a skinhead white dude into a beefy, tatted, and totally like ringed up white doll who happens to be named Sideshow. Does that mean she's going to get turned into some sort of ninja or samurai warrior doll oh yeah hey that's what's going on hey can you play number seven Hey, at least I should get some music while I watch this, right? And Harrison, chill. What makes them bitches? Is it the fact they always talk back or you're just using it to make yourself feel taller? I have to admit that it's pretty nice to have music on demand. I'd just love to yell out a track and have some woman inside a cage play me what I want. I'd be afraid that one day they get shocked to death, though. You know, if I needed a hear or something, uh, like I was in my garage and their cage happened to be back in the middle of my dungeon. It's too bad they're such a shitty band. Maybe Testament would be willing to be my slave band. Oh, I'll have to call Chuck. Well, now the Asian girl has turned into like a four-armed samurai doll named Misfortune. Uh It then cuts over to another mansion where we have those three people... ...talking with each other that are supposedly ruining Travis. Uh, the three have that have ruined him are Mercy Shaw, George Warbeck, and Harrison Yulon. Or, from now on, I'm going to be calling the mm-hmm guy. hmm hmm This guy utters this after each line of dialogue. Don't believe me? Watch the damn movie. I didn't really put a counter on him as I was afraid that I would spend more time making marks... ...counting the- how many times he says... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in fact to prove this to you i'm just gonna call him mm-hmm, and i'll end up saying as many times as he does in the film we also happen to meet his wife more uh moira yulin uh that's gonna fuck me up for the rest of the podcast uh who seems to be a little fishy and a little too knowledgeable of the situation outside there's a spy bot that's been set up by travis it listens in on their conversation Seems like they're all a little bit afraid, except for, you know, mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, 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 and his wife. It cuts back to Travis and Mascaro, watching the footage. That thing has a nice damn camera on it for the time. And, you know, they discuss plotting to kill the three of them. Travis says he'll need the assistance of the dolls and Mascaro, too. Once they set up their little side discussion, it cuts back to Moira, getting upset that mm-hmm, didn't set up the protection uh, on the downstairs from being spied on. And it's kind of weird. I mean, they're in some sort of S&M type of relationship, and she really is one cold-hearted dominatrix.
1: Ow. Try to pay Ow. attention. Yes, yes, yes. Shut up. Shut up. Keep kissing and listen. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: It looks like if you couldn't figure it out by now that she's the real mastermind behind it, mm-hmm.
1: Now, those idiots think that we've checkmated Virgil Travis, but I know better. He's still in the game.
0: But but you said the ruling was appeal-proof.
1: It Ow. was appeal-proof because we bought the judge and the federal prosecutor. If you ever bothered to read the paper, you'd have noticed that they both disappeared within the last 72 hours. Vacation? Ow! Ow. Hardly. Travis has clearly opted for the direct approach. He's had them murdered.
0: Now, I know he's dumb, but does she really need to beat him like that? I mean, I guess he does like it. Uh maybe it's the perfect relationship for him. You know, he just gets to be the, you know, face of the organization. She controls everything and then he gets to go back and get beat. I don't even know she does anything else with him. Huh. Well, after that beating and explanation, it cuts back to Mascaro and Travis while he's eating some Chinese food with that little head and big hands of his. And they're talking about going after Warback. Mascaro doesn't like the fact that he needs to use the dolls, but Travis assures him that they'll be extremely helpful to him in the long run. Oh, and he'll need a disguise in order to finish the job. Wait, is a clown not good enough a disguise? I mean, he could go as a party clown, right? No, we're not doing that? Oh, oh okay, he's going as a regular person. A delivery man, that's what it looks like. I guess too many people know that there's some type of like killer clown guy then. Seriously though, does everyone know who he is? I guess there aren't a whole lot of people who dress up as a businessman with clown makeup that work for a small-headed, mask-wearing billionaire. So Mascaro then pulls up to Warbeck's house, and we see him doing some type of, like, worst exercise to film. I mean okay the one that was in the beginning of terror vision was kind of a stereotypical for the time i mean it's leotards it's bouncing around uh but it's not really horrible i mean it's stereotypical but not horrible but what warbeck is doing is like the laziest fucking lift or jog or whatever the fuck it is like ever back outside Mascaro talks with the dolls then shows the power of his van with a flip of the switch, he's able to send out some sort of EMP that cuts all the power to the house, but at least the phones still work. Warbeck calls out to his security team to find out what's going on.
3: What the hell's going on, Squires? The power's down. Yes, sir. We're checking it out right now to confirm. Confirm my spotting dick. What the hell am I paying for?
0: Well, you don't need to be rude about it. I mean, that security guard has feelings, damn it. So, security then calls the power company, which reroutes to the van outside. Okay, I need this van, seriously, it can reroute calls, cause an EMP, and I bet it has the ability to make cookies that taste like clouds and unicorns. No one recognizes this van as an evil van either, I mean it just has blue paint with CE painted on the side, which makes it totally legit. So while the van is being let in, and how I don't know because there's no power outside, we're introduced to the best song in the film, Kill Pussy Kill. So, they're all singing at the same time in this song, with the same voice. Well, maybe this band is more talented than I thought they were. I mean, at this point, I'm thinking that the script was really getting this band exposure. It just seems like it's some sort of long-form music video, or like that video album that Green Jelly did back in the day. The movie bits are just really there to hold the film together, and to make it have some sort of story carrying to each song. I, I mean, we really hear... Full versions of the song pretty much the entire film. I really wonder if one of the girls was either someone's daughter or something else, but I digress. Mascaro is now inside the house, as are the dolls, and he's searched when he's let inside. He's patted down from head to toe, but they don't bother to check the bag that brings him in. Or, I should say, he brings in with him. If you spend time, like patting him down. But you don't check out the things he brings in with him. You're doing your job horribly. And you deserve to have your boss yell at you.
3: Squires. What the hell's the story, Squires? I'm still in the fucking Stone Age down here. The electrician's here now, sir. I'm currently doing a room sweep to confirm our integrity. Oh, confirm my hairy ass. We're all naked as jaybirds without that juice. Would you like me to come down there and be with you, sir? Don't be sure. a ass. Do your job and get the power back on!
0: Once Warbeck hangs up the phone, the dolls come out and they start to attack him. Pimp stabs him in the hand, and that teaches you to drop your wallet, and Sideshow trips him to the floor. Meanwhile, Mascaro is downstairs with one of the security newbies and gets a surprise attack on him, delivering one of the best lines in this movie.
3: Two kinds of people I know about, the kind that pisses their pants when you kill them, and the kind that don't. Now, which kind do you think you are? Pisser.
0: Well, at least he didn't shit his pants, am I right? So we go back to Warback and he's yelling for help, where, you know, Sideshow goes and drops one of his weights on his head, ultimately killing him. The yelled at security guy finally shows up, and then he gets a sword through his eye thanks to misfortune. Pimp then shoots him. <laughs> Not a stereotype at all, is he? And then he, so he kills the security guy so they can flee. After the deeds are done, we're back in the mansion with the mascaro putting on his Sunday best. And, you know, meaning he's got his suit back and he's putting his clown makeup back on. They discuss the next part of the plan uh, that they're going to put into action, and it cuts to both Mm-hmm and Shaw talking about the death of Warbeck. Even though Mascaro planted some story of a homeless gay drifter, Shaw really doesn't believe it. Now, can I park here for a second and talk about what Shaw's wearing? These are all supposed to be some sort of, like, business people that are running this guy out, right? Professional people, wearing a suit, and pantsuit, or... You know, you want to dress to impress people, right? Well, no, not Shaw. She's come so got some side of like hooker outfit on that she should be wearing, uh, you know, for her job at the club, not necessarily being in a business meeting. Now, I'm not saying that it's something that you walk the streets with, but it's not something that's going to look good at a business meeting. Hell, clear heels would be the ultimate accessory to go with this outfit. Why doesn't she just wear a halter top and a short skirt and be done with it? (sighs) Well, so all the while, while they're talking, Travis is spying with his little spy bot, and Moira is upstairs, watching and feeding lines directly to Mm Mm-hmm's ear. Shaw leaves, and Moira calls Mm Mm-hmm back upstairs. Mascaro and Travis are watching on his video screen at the same time, and Travis notices something odd to him. At the end of the conversation, mm-hmm says, coming up, and it strikes him as odd. Mascara wonders if Travis still wants to kill them, and Travis is totally into it. Back upstairs uh, in the Ulin house, Moira inspects the video that she captured from Warbeck's place, but not before insulting mm-hmm.
1: Shut up, Harrison. If you keep talking, I'll have to punish you, and I just don't have the time right now.
0: He also makes the mistake of calling them we.
1: There is no we, Harrison. There's only me. And a sloppy man-shaped appendage. You.
0: In reviewing the video, she sees the dolls. With the help of that useless mm mm-hmm. And wonders where they are. Basically, she like freeze frames it. And as they're passing by, mm mm-hmm points out. Hey, what the hell are those things? And then she realizes they're dolls. So... It's b- then back to Mascaro giving Travis a shake. Travis is still bothered about mm-hmm's last words in that video footage. He, of course, needs some thinking music to continue on with his thoughts.
2: Number four! Oh I
1: can't. Fuck off!
2: Play number four! Oh
0: Again, just shock them to play the shitty music. Well, since Shaw is going to leave town, Travis has Mascara and the dolls go to her place to kill her. We met meet the one female guard in the movie with a super shitty gun prop. I mean, it's supposed to look like uh, a newsie, but it just kind of looks like a plastic toy. So now, before getting her, they believed it would be really hard to kill her. Uh, yet, This turns out to be the second easiest kill in the entire movie. The security guard and Shaw enter the elevator. And then, with his pimp cane strong, the dolls get the jump on him and kill kill them all before the elevator opens at the bottom. Uh, The security that's left at the bottom that's waiting for her to get in the car, they open the elevator. They see everybody is dead. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Back at the mmm-hmm mansion, Moira is whipping hmm and explains that the dolls won't be able to touch them.
1: If he tries to send his dolls in here, he'll have a rather unpleasant surprise. Like what? I've taken steps. That means that unless he has access to a cruise missile, we're untouchable. Unfortunately, I can't get him in that fortress he's in.
0: The dolls do show up outside, but Pit Pan gets a taste of the defense that Moira has laid down. A perfectly doll-level flamethrower. At this point in time, she also uh, expresses her distaste for men.
1: Is there anything in this world more pathetic than a man? I think not. No!
0: (laughs) She sees it through her own security camera. I honestly think that only Travis and Moira know how to use these things right. While Mm hmm tries to look, only to be forced to sleep on the floor. She comes up with a plan to see Travis to understand him a little better and see if she can match his wits with him. Uh, back at the Travis Mansion, supposedly the next day, time in this movie doesn't really mean a thing. Uh, Pimp has been rendered a little toasty due to the flamethrower. He doesn't look too
1: good. He's been toasted. 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 toasted toast, toasted
3: Please girls, please a little compassion for our diminutive friend.
0: He even has a little sling to help his arm heal better. Well Travis and Mascara realize the defenses were set up on purpose to go after the dolls. Mascara believes that since the defense came to the dolls, it's gonna be almost impossible for them to go after it. Mm-hmm. Damn. I guess they'll have to go and get SEAL Team 6 to go in there and kill hmm like he's some sort of war criminal. Suddenly, there's a visitor. Why, it's good old Moira. What's she doing here? Travis decides to meet with her since there's no way that a woman could be a bad person. He comes out and talks with her with that dumb mask again. Guess he's not ready to show his true side. They play mind games with each other. She gives him the fuck-me eyes. He has... The mask and talks like a neckbeard. She lets him know about the dolls in order to save her own skin. Then things get dramatic.
1: How do I reach your heart? How do I stop this?
3: I'm afraid that you were mistaken about the size of my heart. I'm not at all what you think.
1: What are you then?
3: I am nothing.
1: What?
3: I said that I am nothing. I am an emptiness, and like all emptiness, I struggle perpetually to be filled. I draw in wealth, power, sensation, but still I am empty. Still I am nothing.
0: Yep. That's right. He's absolutely nothing. It seems like she's giving the upper hand when she does this, like, sequence of matching wits. I mean, I'm not sure why you'd want to tell somebody that, uh, I know those dolls are yours, I know that they're killing people, but, you know, it's something that might turn around later. It seems like also that Travis is starting to get smitten with her and she might be smitten with him as well. He ultimately tells her that no harm will come to her, but he can't let mm mm-hmm live. I guess in this aspect, she's probably accomplished her mission. She won't be killed, only her husband. There's more music, and I'll save you this one, and it goes back to mm hmm in some sort of like wire contraption that uh, Moira is tightening him into. Mm hmm believes that Travis is in lust with Moira, and she rejects it.
1: The way he acted toward me, his body language was I could have sworn.
0: Old oh boy it was hot for you, huh?
1: Shut up, you moron! Ooh. No! Ooh. Not lust. I know that well enough. No. He was almost courtly. <laughs> Who would have ever dreamed that, that Virgil Travis of all people was secretly a romantic? I think he was smitten with me.
0: It's kind of confusing cuz she rejects the idea that he's into her, but then says that he's into her. I mean, I understand that you know, it's it's lust versus love. And usually one is synonymous with the other in like kind of my mind. And it really doesn't make much sense. But I do understand what they're trying to do here in this scene. They're basically trying to say that she knows when guys are lusting after her. But she's never experienced somebody like being into her, into her. Still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well after finishing her nice little speech with Mm, mm-hmm, she leaves him tied up and goes to her own room. Then out of the middle of nowhere, the dolls show up and start tightening the wires on M's contraption, which slowly dig into his skin. At first she thinks it's Moira and asks her to, you know, calm her tits in terms of uh, tightening that stuff, but then realizes that it's the dolls. Now in a decent budget movie who didn't waste their money on the dolls or drill or band in a cage or midget or clown makeup or whatever else got spent. Oh, the, the later on uh, uh, heat imaging of the dolls. You'd actually see some sort of, like, blood and guts in a scene like this. Kind of like in Cube or Resident Evil. Uh, instead, we just get the wires digging a little deeper into m's flesh it's not even i mean the fact is okay but it's kind of a weak death overall it's the second easiest or they shouldn't say the second it's the first easiest death in the entire film because she sets them up for it the dolls don't even have to try i mean they managed to get in there somehow either she turned off the defenses or um you know they dropped from a plane um they went underground like turtles, something like that. So, it, I just wanted there maybe to be something more with this scene. Like I said, it's just weak overall. So we go from plan, you know, having a planned out killing where they have to get Mascaro in disguise, they have to break into the house, and then they have to kill him and all the security guards to an shitty elevator killing to mhm just being left inside a wire trap i mean the quality of the kills just went way downhill so when mhm dies it then cuts directly to more moira i hope
1: it was as good for you as it was for me angel,
0: angel. wait was she masturbating to him dying Because it sure seems like it. I mean, she's sitting in front of her security monitor watching him get tightened and the wire slowly digging into his skin. And she's still kind of in her, like, brawn panties, dominatrix-type outfit. Her legs are spread wide open. And then she asks if it was as good for him as it was for her. Uh, She does pull out the infrared right here and capture the dolls before they leave the mansion i guess maybe she was turned on even more and just decided hey time to capture me some dolls so it goes back now to travis's place where everyone is just sound asleep moira then calls and gets a hold of travis and she kind of reveals that she's been playing with travis this whole time
1: well, my dear masked man, unless you want to be reading the record of your own trial, I think that a reproachment will be essential. Really, a good player always knows when the game is over, Virgil. If I may be so bold, I have a videotaped record of the killing of my poor husband, your tape-recorded confession, and your very interesting little doll. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, I also have a tape of those same dolls at the house of the dear departed, Mr. Warbeck.
3: Coming up. What's that? You had your husband wired. I heard him speaking to you. I should have realized that it was you. All oh, along, it was you. And even when I met you, I never
1: expected. I, I thought you were... You thought what I wanted you to think, that I was a nervous, desperate little wife
0: what a sneaky bitch truly this is blackmail at its best looking at travis in this film he keeps kind of getting worse and worse as it goes on i'm pretty sure that it's the suit and it probably was the multiple takes and they're not very comfortable and would have led to have some sort of effect on his body as the film went on if you look at him in the beginning of this film I mean, he's a little red-faced, but it's not so bad. But at this point, it's like he's been sweating profusely. His face is very, very red, and uh, he can't take much more of this. So, after his talk with Moira, Travis turns to one of the girls from the band, who's suddenly awake now, and has a little, like, heartfelt talk with her.
2: The pit yawns before me.
3: Ah, of all living creatures can permit myself no illusion of a soul it's from emptiness that I came and that emptiness awaits me at the end what dwells between but a
2: mad pointless puppet show full of sound and fury signifying nothing yeah I hear you man how easy it would be Sure word just one little squish I actually had tender thoughts toward her I even imagined what it might be like to love her but it was a sham pretense she used me she used me she outwitted me no no, we'll leave death in the weeping room a while longer, I think. A man who loves nothing may do anything. So let us see
0: what can be done with this woman. Oh yeah, it's time to go kill that bitch. Travis now has his energy back and he'll make her pay. Fuck this love shit. Let's just be alone with my private band, my midget, and my killer assassin clown guy. As well as my killer dolls. Man, that's going to be the life. So let's see what is in store for Moira when she comes over. Mmm, I guess we're going to find out soon. Of course, she's also very overconfident that she'll be able to make it go her way, too.
1: Men have never realized that for a woman, surrender is just another way of winning. In the end, he'll be no different from poor Harry. By the time I'm done with him, there won't be anything left.
0: It's now the next day, closing in on the end of the film. Moira has presented herself to Travis, and explains that she can give him something no one else can.
1: But I can give you something more. Something you cannot take. Something only I can give.
3: And what is that?
1: Me. Me my life i knew the first time we met they had feelings for me
3: feelings yes but what i wanted then you cannot give me what you showed me then was a creature of grace and gentleness but that was mere artifice you see even we who are destined to dwell in the mud can still long for the sky
1: and what do you see when you look in the sky virgil nothing emptiness Life is down here with all the lying and killing and fucking. If I were a man, you would have to kill me because nothing could ever make you trust me. But I'm a woman. A young woman. The wounds of nations are healed in the bedchambers of kings.
0: Wait, so now she's really playing into her sex here. I I really can't how, how she feels at this moment. Is she really just using the fact that she's a woman and he's a man, so he'll just... Give in to her and take her as his wife? Are men really that vapid that he wouldn't realize that she could be playing him? I thought she would have some sort of, like, grandiose scheme. Not an, I'll sell all my assets to you for a dollar and we'll marry sort of plan. What kind of bullshittery is this? She's basically telling him, hey, I'm the only person that's willing to fuck and procreate with you, so we should get married. She's at least prepared the marriage license and... (sighs) Didn't her husband just die a couple hours ago? Did she divorce him before he even died? Or was she ever really married to him? Now, I can't... The movie's not that smart, okay? It, it didn't set up anything. We just have to kind of go with it. And, and I, I think it just more upsets me in the fact that she seemed to be like this badass and now she just wants to give it all up to marry this guy maybe... he's. Steal his money, kill him later I I just don't know. And of course, of course, being the person he is, he agrees, and they get ready to be married by Mascaro. First they have to find a dollar to buy everything with and of course he doesn't have it. Mascaro only has fifties, but Harrison has it. Harrison gives him the dollar, uh Mascaro gets ready and they're lucky that he has the ability to marry people.
1: You are now the proud owner of my fortune. And me.
3: And you needn't worry about a justice of the peace. Mr. Mascaro is an ordained minister.
1: You're joking.
3: Officially, Mr. Mascaro is my religious advisor. Church of the Divine Spirit. I'm in the McAllister Registry of Religions. Most convenient at tax time.
0: Well, that's great. At least he's got that solved. So, we cut away and cut back, and the wedding begins to to happen. And it really takes no time at all for them to get ready to get down to business. Let's kiss and let us fuck.
3: You may kiss the bride. Yes, I think so. After all, as you said, such matters are irrelevant to the founding of a dynasty. Let us kiss. And more than kiss... Let us proceed with your procreative ambitions.
0: Woo! He's gonna get him some... Of course, at this point, it's when he takes off the mask and it freaks out Moira.
2: I'm sorry the face beneath the mask was not what you expected. But then the face beneath your mask was rather a disappointment to me as well. You see, by giving me a glimpse of love something i never imagined i could experience and then ripping it away you've managed to convince me of something that i've long suspected my life gives me no more pleasure and when a thing ceases to please me i rid myself of it
0: so let me get this straight if he can't be happy then nobody can be happy. And he's basically throwing a temper tantrum, and he's going to kill everybody, including Harrison, including Mascara, the band, the dolls, and her, because she's freaked out by the fact that he's uh, a small-headed monster. (sighs) Well, it's at this point that she's stabbed in the football pimp, and then Harrison comes over and ties her hands up. Mascaro and harrison are both down to die but not the girl in the band or the blood dolls travis has one last explanation for moira before she's going to die with the rest of them
2: i am not a man nor a woman born my mother a woman grew me in a bottle technique she devised though clearly failed to perfect prospect of a dynasty living horror such as myself holds no charm
0: now it makes me wonder if maybe he's kind of like a like a reverse krang where he's got the body that ...is just like a mechanical suit... ...and maybe he's like a little baby dude inside of there... ...moving everything independently... ...or like that one character... ...that one alien from uh, Men in Black... ...or Men in Black 2... ...you know, he's controlling everything... ...with his little stubby arms... ...because it really just... ...I mean, for the most part, looks like he's got a small head... ...and that's it, and he's got a regular body... ...but he's saying he was grown in a test tube... ...so he had to be grown... ...outside... ...eventually, right... And just his head never grew. I, I don't know if I get that, but I'm I'm gonna think he's just like a little baby guy inside a big suit. Oh, is he yeah yeah. It's just he's the brain. That's exactly who he is. He is just the brain, and he controls his suit and does whatever he needs to do. So it's at this point that misfortune manages to let the girls out from the cage, and they all decide to make a run for the door. They get in the van, and before they leave, uh, they you know the girls grab all the dolls and leave with them uh leaving Mascaro, moira travis and harrison to die in the house together as it explodes from the worst explosion ever kind of in this scene too it looks like the dolls are some sort of like hitchhiking ghosts waiting to be picked up by the rock band the screen goes to black and that's the end of the movie honestly it's kind of a weak ending and most of oh, wait what's this
3: One moment, please, ladies and gentlemen, and boys, and girls. By all rights, we should be showing the end credits right now. But we have a bit of an awkward problem. You see, we came up with two endings for this story, and we couldn't decide between them. What you just saw a minute ago, that's one. Moira is tortured. The girls and the dolls get away, and the rest of us all die okay? I can see the cynical appeal. But being as I am a fundamentally spiritual person, I prefer the following rather different ending to our proceedings.
0: Oh shit, there's two endings. This couldn't be any worse than the first, could it? (sighs) I guess that first ending was the sad ending, where no one gets what they want, but the band gets away. I mean, if they got away, I would think that you'd be happy, right? Well, now you get someone good to be your slave man if you happen to live, but, you know, they all died. Basically, what we're done, what's done now is that we're taken back to the point where Travis takes off the mask. And instead of rejecting him, Moira accepts who he is and tells him that she loves him.
2: What's the matter, my dear? Don't tell me that I disappoint you. That I disgust you, this thing that I am.
1: Disgust me? How could you do that? What? Virgil, I can't lie to you. I wanted to despise you and dominate you because I thought you were just a man, and men are only worthy of being despised and dominated. But now I know the truth You're more than a man Virgil, I never believed it could be possible But I actually What? Virgil, don't you see? We're both marvels And we're both monsters Believe me I know it now We were meant for one another
2: I don't know what to say
1: I love you because you're a monster and because you're more than a man. I love you.
0: Wait, what? Uh, Okay, this is even more bullshittery than before. Now that she's in awe of him and he's some sort of equal to her and they'll be the most evil people on the planet. She's a monster too. He's a monster. I, I just... This is, like, at least in the other ending, they all fucking die. She gets her comeuppance, but then he's a little tantrum bitch and decides, I'm gonna kill everybody because I'm bored with life. Yet, he's got her fortune and his fortune together. and Whatever. I would just torture the bitch and let her, you know, kill her and just be done with it. I got your shit, bitch. You know, stuff like that. But in this one, all of a sudden, like, this really, like, powerful woman who was in control of all the people and was just like like a pretty good bad guy all of a sudden it's like oh guess what uh i wanted to hate you i wanted to control you but i really love you (laughs) i just i don't get it i'm seriously not happy about either of these endings since everyone is happy at the end of this one, Mascaro asks Harrison to play the band one more time, and then we finally end the film. I am highless. Honestly, looking back at this film, it's fun. But it really does kind of lose some of its charm with multiple viewings. The endings make very little sense. And the sad ending is okay, but everyone ultimately dies. Except for the band and the dolls. And then there's just that weird switch of Moira at the end of the happy ending. If you want a reason to really watch this movie... It's to see William Paul burns this mascaro. I mean, he just steals the whole movie with his deadpan line delivery and his dialogue. Even some of the small jokes with him on what's... work, uh, You know, on a some level, such as, like, the costume joke. Or, of course, my favorite bit of dialogue in the entire film when it comes down to the pisser.
3: pisser.
0: You know, the line is pretty funny. It's... It's just such a jumbled movie. I know I said it earlier, but this really feels like it's a long-form music video uh, album for the band that's in this movie. Like, I know that Charles Band had a habit of making posters and then coming up with scripts based upon the poster. So I imagine that he had this, like, blood dolls, and he's like, Yeah, well, I've got this band, you see. And I really want to make them famous. I love their movie. How about we just make a movie around this band? And let's just make blood dolls. We can do it like the other dolls. Everybody loves demonic toys. There's like We can make a random side story from this. And it'll be related back to Puppet Master and all that bullshit. But... Yeah. They're bad. <laughs> and they pop up for way too long periods in this film. I mean, the last song that I just played right now is probably the longest uh piece of audio that I played for you this entire thing that was related to the music in this movie. But honestly, those songs like Kill Pussy Kill is played twice in this film. And it's played almost over almost the entire scene where Warbeck gets killed. So you have to listen to that song for the entire time. The entire time that uh, the Asian lady, Cindy, and her associate, he gets killed to the point that she's going to turn into it. That whole two-minute sequence, you have that song playing the entire time. It's just so much for one one film that only runs 84 minutes and i would say that a third of this film is taken up with the soundtrack just playing over and that's not just like you know the soundtrack soundtrack for stuff where you know it's just instrumental stuff but their music is a big portion of this movie so you can piece most of it together by just replaying the clips that i put into this review cuz parts of it are in those clips So overall, I give the gore in this movie a 1 out of 5. There's nothing really to speak of. The scene with the drill, there's the eye uh, that gets a sword, the little mini sword from Misfortune, run through it. It's okay. Um, The fun factor, it is a 3 out of 5, mainly for Mascara alone. And, you know, uh, the crap factor in this movie is a 4 out of 5. Uh, hands down it's pretty crappy Uh, ultimately i give this movie a three and a half shrunken headed billionaires out of five upon first viewing this there are plenty of scenes which are kind of like what the fuck moments that can carry you throughout the film and keep you entertained multiple times it does seem a little bit more of a chore and that's kind of the way this was for me, this time, even though I do really like this movie and I recommend people seeing it, it's just kind of waned on me maybe the last couple of years. And usually, this is a movie that my wife and I watch once every year, maybe a couple of years. Um, I definitely say watch it if you haven't as uh, before, as it's worth just for those what the fuck moments. So next week, I got a suggestion from listener Angelo. Uh, his handle. I only have one for YouTube and it's Nello Angelo O2 on YouTube and uh, because of him, we're going to be watching this holiday classic.
2: since it's Thanksgiving and all that, we should go around and say what we're
0: thankful for. I'm thankful that your mom has the juiciest poon in town.
1: Back in the 1500s, in the settlement of Kralberg, an old Indian by the name of Feathercloud necromanced a turkey that would stop at nothing to get what he wanted.
3: yeah
0: right we'll be watching thanks killing you can check out the trailer on youtube which i do suggest because there's a couple of scenes that you may have not uh, gotten from that trailer on an audio podcast and you can definitely find the movie on itunes amazon instant or you can get it as a dvd from netflix it's currently not on their streaming which i wish it was um and you know there's probably other places that you can find it as well but i definitely go with those routes first um, you can also follow the podcast as always on Twitter. It's at t underscore t underscore podcast. Catch the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or Spreaker. Um, e- a review on any of those sites would be great. um I definitely love some iTunes reviews. Uh, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I'm doing right. Um, what you would like to see. Uh, going forward with this podcast and you can always email your movie ideas over to terrible terror podcast at gmail.com i'm looking for christmas movies Uh, i have one in mind uh, that i do want to do but it's one that i've seen a lot i just think that it's kind of cool uh, and fun but uh, and definitely if you had another thanksgiving inspired movie Uh, I would definitely like to do that because I think that I'll be releasing one of these podcasts right before then. So if you have any ideas, please send them over, email them, send me a message on Twitter, tag me in something. You can always use the hashtag Terrible Terror um, and I'll find it. And you can go check out uh, us on Facebook as well and uh, give us a like. post ideas on the wall it'll be great you can also contact me directly if you wish on my twitter it's at tulbert t 0 l-b-e-r-t and of course always listen to it be like that uh my other podcast that's more about pop culture and topics not specifically focused in one idea all the time but we had a couple halloween episodes that uh, we had a lot of fun on and uh definitely would, would like people to check out and also check out the old episodes for Poultrygeist, Geist, Ghoulies, and of course Terror Vision. And I had a wonderful time uh, up in Sacramento at their Sinister Creature Con. And uh, I got to meet the actress that played Susie in Terror uh, And there were a lot of uh, wonderful insights that uh, I didn't know about the film. Um And uh, it was fantastic, and I can't thank those guys enough for putting on that panel. So, that's it. Next time, uh, we'll be talking about Thanksgiving. Peace out.